Church, we have much to be thankful for today, and we're reminded by a national holiday this week to be people who give thanks, or instructed and encouraged to consider our own lives, to consider the many things that we have, and then to give thanks for the blessings that we have been given. And though this holiday is celebrated by many secular and religious folks alike, Uh, The concept or idea of giving thanks is thoroughly Christian. So we as Christians, as followers of Christ, certainly ought to be people who are characterized by giving thanks to God. And Paul recognized this when he was writing in the first century. He wrote to Christians in Thessalonica. and He told them to rejoice always, to pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Three admonitions given to first century Christians and really to every Christian that follows to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. But how realistic is it? I mean, really, to think that we as people can give thanks in all circumstances, in every circumstance of life. Paul was writing to Christians who were facing hardship in that day, Christians in Thessalonica, in a pagan environment, a pagan world, under the threat of persecution. And he told them to, to give thanks in all circumstances, to rejoice and to thank God anyway. And though we live much later, nearly 2,000 years later, in what is known as the wealthiest country in the history of the world and in a country that has historically valued religious freedom and hung on to certain Christian values, we still face trouble. We still face hardship. We don't have to look very far to know that we are not immune to difficult circumstances in life. We still face hurt and pain and suffering and cancer and justice and even death. So how can we... Give thanks in every circumstance. How can you give thanks when your aging body begins to ache? How can you give thanks when the doctor says cancer? How can you give thanks when your husband or wife of decades dies? How can you give thanks when you can't find a job? How can you give thanks when your child runs away From home, how can you give thanks when your spouse leaves you? And how can you give thanks when terrorists are plotting to take innocent lives across the world? There's no doubt that it's absolutely impossible to give thanks for every circumstance. But the Bible doesn't tell us to give thanks for every circumstance. The Bible instructs us to give thanks in every circumstance. In every circumstance to give thanks to God. All of these difficulties, all of these hardships, all of these troubles uh, can pretty much boil down to something that results from death, something that points to death, something that ultimately reminds us that all of us will one day die. So how can we give thanks in every circumstance of life? And the answer, as you might imagine, is found in knowing Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible clearly conveys that those who know Jesus can thank God in every circumstance 
Because Jesus has defeated death for us. Those who know Jesus, followers of Christ, believers in Jesus, people of faith, the church, can thank God in every circumstance of life because Jesus has defeated the worst circumstance of life, namely, spiritual death for us. Let me invite you to open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where we'll see that truth unfold from God's Word and there's no doubt that without the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. I love the way you put it this morning, Steve, in your prayer. I may have to, to borrow that if that's okay. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. Without that hope, without Jesus Christ, it is impossible for anyone to give thanks in every circumstance. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verse 19, he said, if... If only for this life we have hope in Christ. Speaking to believers, speaking to those who profess the name of Christ. If only for this life, this earthly life, this temporary life. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. The reality is the gospel gives hope that extends beyond this life. The gospel provides abundant life and eternal life that puts all of life in Proper perspective for the people of God. And as Christians, as we approach this Thanksgiving holiday, this national holiday, we ought to be the people who do this holiday the best because we have so much to be thankful for. Not meaning that we necessarily have the biggest meal or the most elaborate meal or Thanksgiving tradition, but we ought to be people whose attitudes express the heart of giving thanks to God and who serve as a witness, as a light, as salt and light into the surrounding culture, pointing people to what it means to truly give thanks to God. And if we're going to do that, and do that effectively, if we as people of faith are going to speak into our culture about truly giving thanks to God for the greatest gift of God, then it helps for us to know a little bit about this tradition. So for the next couple minutes, let me encourage you to turn your attention Uh, to the screens as we learn about this holiday. We're all familiar with the story of the first Thanksgiving when the pilgrims invited local Native Americans to share a meal with them. But we bet you didn't know Thanksgiving didn't become an annual tradition until more than 200 years later. That first Thanksgiving in 1621 wasn't just one big meal. It was a three-day festival of eating, hunting, and other entertainments in honor of the Pilgrims' first successful harvest. The Indians killed five deer as gifts for the colonists. So venison was definitely on the first Thanksgiving menu. But we bet you didn't know that turkey was not. They also didn't have pumpkin pie or potatoes, which hadn't been introduced to New England yet. And while they may have eaten cranberries, they would have been served plain, not in a sauce or relish. The pilgrims didn't plan on starting a Thanksgiving tradition. In fact, they didn't repeat the November celebration in subsequent years. In 1789, President George Washington announced the first ever national Thanksgiving holiday, which took place on Thursday, November 26th. But it didn't become an annual tradition nationwide until the 19th century. That's when an American writer named Sarah Josepha Hale, most famous for writing the nursery rhyme Mary Had a Little Lamb, was inspired by a diary of pilgrim life to recreate that first Thanksgiving feast. 
Beginning in 1827, Hale waged a nearly 30-year campaign to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. She also published recipes for pumpkin pie, turkey, and stuffing that probably didn't appear on the pilgrims' plates, but would become the staples of modern Thanksgiving meals. In 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln announced that the nation would celebrate Thanksgiving every year on the final Thursday in November. But did you know, in 1939, President Franklin D. Roosevelt decided to move the holiday up a week to give Depression-era retailers more time to make money during the free Christmas shopping season. The move was widely criticized, and in 1941, FDR signed a bill fixing Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday in November, where it stays today. One of the quirkiest Thanksgiving traditions began in 1989, when President George H.W. Bush granted the first official pardon to a turkey. Every November since then, the current Oval Office occupant has given a reprieve to one or two turkeys, sending them into retirement on a farm rather than to a dinner table. Though it only began in the late 20th century, the story has become one of the more unusual chapters in the long history of Thanksgiving traditions. Well, there you have it. We can all enjoy venison in place of turkey this Thanksgiving holiday. Well, a three-day festival of eating, hunting, and other entertainment, that sounds really good to me. I don't know about you, but, but I love the way the, the video described this other quirky tradition. Uh, perhaps the most intriguing Thanksgiving tradition that I see here is this idea of pardoning turkeys. The last several presidents of the United States have, for whatever reason, perhaps out of respect or appreciation for the turkey or perhaps just to be humorous, have pardoned a turkey retiring it to a farm to roam free rather than to the dinner table to be eaten with potatoes and gravy. Believe it or not, I know this sounds like a bit of a stretch, it sounds a bit cheesy, and it is a little bit cheesy, but it's, it's good, it's true. Believe it or not, that provides a beautiful picture of what has happened for each of us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because just as the most powerful person in the modern free world has pardoned a turkey every Thanksgiving, setting it free to roam free, to be free of potential punishment or judgment or whatever you want to call it, the Most High God, the ruler over all creation, the creator of the world, has pardoned us turkeys who are inept and incapable of glorifying God on our own through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ on the cross in our place. And for that reason, church, we can be people who express complete and continual thanksgiving to God because He is worthy of our thanksgiving. As we open God's Word this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we will see how the gospel gives rise to thanksgiving in our hearts to God. So let me invite you to, to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. And as you find it, let me encourage you to stand for the reading of God's Word. This morning we'll specifically focus in on the end of this chapter and really key in on one verse, verse 57. But uh, before we get there, in order to put all of this in some context, I want us to look at verses 3 and 4 at the beginning of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. We have perhaps the most succinct summation of the gospel in all of Scripture. Paul says, For what I received, I passed on to you. 
as of first importance. For what I received, what I heard, what I was given, what I passed on to you, I gave it to you, believers, as of first importance, primary importance. What was it? That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, According to the scriptures, in accordance with God's plan. Church, this is the gospel. This is the story of Christ's sacrifice in our place for us that we might have hope and life and forgiveness in and through him. Now skip with me to the end of that very same chapter. Chapter 15, beginning in verse 50. Passage of scripture that is often used at funeral services for Christians because it speaks of the hope that we as believers have in and through Jesus Christ. Paul writes in verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 57, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that You would guide us now as we look at Your Word. Speak to us through Your Word by the power of Your Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, we're instructed here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, to give thanks to God. But thanks be to God, believers. Christians, but thanks be to God. The truth, according to God's word, according to this text, as well as all of God's word, is that God has acted in such a way to warrant gratitude from his people. God has acted in such a way. He has operated in such a way. He has lived and worked in our lives in such a way to warrant gratitude from us toward Him for what He has done. The truth is, we can learn some things about the character of God, about the nature of God, about the identity of God, simply by observing what God has done. God has made Himself known. He's made Himself known simply through His acts of creation. We can observe things about God through His creation. For this reason, the Scriptures state, for the fool declares in his heart that there is no God. We can learn through observing God's creation that He is a knowledgeable and powerful Creator because He has put together our biological composition in such a way and our surrounding environment in such a way that this earth is conducive to life. And for these reasons, God deserves thanks from us. From all of us. But much more than just that can be known about God. Because God has made it known through His written word. He has revealed Himself more specifically, more clearly 
through the Scriptures to us. It's revealed His character. His good and gracious character. And God always acts in a way that is consistent with His character. In a way that's consistent with who He is. So who is God? What is His character? What is He like? Let me invite you to hold your place in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and turn far to the left in your Bible to the 103rd Psalm. Psalm 103 was written by King David. Throughout this psalm, David expresses in writing who God is, highlighting various characteristics of of who God is, the God that we worship, the same God that we gather in the name of this morning. And I want to read a portion of it beginning in verse 8, a description of God. Psalm 103 beginning in verse 8, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion On those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Church, the God that we worship, the God that we serve, the God who deserves thanksgiving from us is a God who has acted graciously toward us. God has created us and who sustains us and who has redeemed us in and through Jesus Christ, granting us forgiveness of sins and abundant and eternal life in and through Him. And for this reason, church, we can give thanks to God in any and every circumstance for the glory of God. As those who've been saved by the grace of God, we can join together as people of faith and giving thanks to God because by His grace, God has granted His people a victorious, eternal perspective. By God's grace, He has, he has granted His people, He's granted His followers, He's granted those who, who know salvation and forgiveness and life in Him a victorious, eternal perspective, meaning that we don't look at life like the rest of the world looks at life. We don't walk through life and the way that the rest of the world that doesn't know Christ walks through life. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, victory, victory over what? Verse 55 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Church, those who know Jesus can thank God in every circumstance because Jesus has defeated death for us. He has conquered spiritual death for us, those who know Him, those who will trust in Him, whoever will believe in in Christ. Granting us life so that we we don't fear death like the rest of the world, for death is nothing to fear for those who know and follow Jesus Christ. Because upon our death, we will forever enjoy the glorious presence of the almighty maker of heaven and earth. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all of eternity. So in light of this spiritual reality, church, of what Jesus has done for us, what he has accomplished for us by way of the cross, let's express thanks to God. 
Let's join together as people of faith, as followers of Jesus Christ, and expressing thanks to God. Psalm 136 is a psalm that was written revolving around that very theme. King David begins that psalm, says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Commanded on and on throughout that psalm to continue to give thanks to Him because of all that He has done, all that He is doing, of who He is. God is worthy of our thanksgiving because His His goodness is constant. His character never changes. His love is unending. His love never runs out. So we as people who believe in Him and who know Him can give Him thanks continually. So friends, if if you've not already begun the practice of regularly, daily giving thanks to God for all He has done and is doing and will do for us. Let's begin that practice now. Let's begin that practice this week. Let's begin that practice today as people of faith who acknowledge each and every day that, that every day and every gift is a blessing from God and He deserves gratitude from us for it. And church, as we express thanks to God and participate with our family and friends and even with others across our nation this week and expressing thanks, let's engage in opportunities to tell others about the greatest gift. Let's tell others about the greatest gift, about the thing to which, for which we are most grateful, most thankful, most appreciative, and that is life in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can remember as a child my mom often taking advantage of teachable moments, particularly surrounding holidays. As a child, as children often do, I sort of remember it becoming kind of mundane and regretting it. Come on, Mom, why are you, why are you asking us that again? But every Thanksgiving, Mom would ask us, you know, what are you guys thankful for? Obviously with the intent of teaching us a spiritual lesson. At Christmas, she'd want to tell us about, you know, the greatest gift, the gift of, of Jesus, God's Son coming to us. But church, what a ready-made opportunity we have to participate in telling others about the greatest gift as people all around us in our families, our neighbors, our communities, our friends, people across this nation are celebrating a holiday, many of which don't know the greatest gift. Let's take advantage of opportunities. Let's engage in conversations, not in a domineering way, not in a legalistic way, Not in an annoying way per per se, but in an honest and loving and heartfelt way. Let's tell others about the greatest gift. Let's tell others about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our place. The unending love of God for which we as His people ought to be giving continual thanks to Him. Let's express thanks to God. Let's tell others about the greatest gift. And let's be people who believe the Word of God and who stand upon the Word of God and who exercise faith in the God who has made Himself known through His Word and saved us by His grace by anticipating the the greatest celebration, the greatest feast, the greatest festival when, when the Bride of Christ, the church, is forever united with the Bridegroom, Jesus Christ, at the wedding supper of the Lamb of God. Church, as people of faith, let's anticipate the heavenly feast that we will enjoy someday as people of faith in Christ who are gathered together with 
all believers forever enjoying the presence of God. Every turkey that's been pardoned from their sin through the bloodshed of Jesus Christ. That's you and me. Let's anticipate that day of celebration. Let's anticipate that day of unending worship. A glorious feast and eternal celebration in the presence of our Maker. And God Himself spoke of that day, the prophet Isaiah to to His people, recorded in Isaiah chapter 25, beginning in verse 6. He wrote, On this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove His people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And centuries later, the Apostle John had a vision of that future day recorded in the book of Revelation. Where the angel said to John, recorded in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, he said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Church, blessed are those who are invited to that celebration, that festival, that feast. Have you responded to the invitation from God to the wedding supper of the Lamb? Have you responded to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the good news of forgiveness and life in and through Jesus? For Jesus has granted you and I forgiveness of our sins and victory over spiritual death, eternal life in and through Him. Church, those who know Jesus can thank God in every circumstance of life for Jesus has defeated death for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you today because of what you've done for us. Father, we praise you because you are an awesome God, a worthy King, a sovereign Lord. But even so, Lord, you are a God who cares for us. A God who loves us with an unfailing love so much so, Lord, that, that you sent your one and only Son to us to rescue us from predicament that we ran because of sin. So, Father, help us today as people who have been saved by your grace to be a grateful people, to be a people who acknowledge who you are and what you've done and what you are continuing to do for us. Father, we pray that as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week that we would express thanks to you, Lord, and that we would tell others about the greatest gift and that we would anticipate the day of your return. Father, lead us now as we respond to you and worship through song. Hear our praises be glorified in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.